welcome to the Church of the Redeemers weekly podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many infallible proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. There's a title for this message. The title is, Have You Seen Jesus? Have You Seen Jesus? Don't look at nobody. Don't look at nobody. Just set your happy hips down. Set them down. Set them down. Set them down. Whatever you're doing, where just sit down and stay in the presence of the King. Stay in the presence of the King. Let nothing distract you. Let nothing distract you. Luke, the apostle, the follower of God, who is the author of the book of Acts, starts this book about the history of the earth, of the early church, excuse me, by putting the questions about Jesus to rest. The people have been living for about 30 years now when this book was written. And Luke decides to write, Luke the doctor, Luke the doctor decides to write about his experience with Jesus. He decides to write about his time living with Jesus. He decides to document what he had experienced. Somebody's going to write a book. He decided He decided to document his experience with, with Jesus. Right? And he talks about, first, in the first book, he talks about all of his experiences with God. He says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to teach and do. The book of Luke. The book of Luke is him dealing with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, right? When he was taken up, he, was, he went to heaven, right? And we know that he lived and he died, and then he was taken up. They tried to hold him in the grave, but the grave could not. Um, I wish <laughs> they tried to hold him in the grave, right? But the grave could not. grave could not consume him, could not hold him down. Grave could not. And then he says, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, those two sentences, excuse me, that's one sentence, one period, a whole bunch of commas, one period, that one sentence communicates a summary of the book of Luke. The book of Luke is summarized in one sentence right there. Then it says, he presented himself alive to them, those apostles, presented himself alive after his suffering, after the Passion Week, 
the time when the week where he entered into, right? We all with me? I'm going to hurry up. I'm going to hurry. Let me just hurry. He, 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 he presented himself alive to them after his suffering. This is the gospel. Right? Presented himself alive to them after his suffering. After he lived, he died. He carried his own cross. He was wounded. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was, he was battered for you and for me. Right? Right? It, I'm in the word. I'm, help me. Tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. Like, but this is, this is the passion. He presented himself alive to them, the ones that he communicated to by Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. He presented himself alive to them, the ones that he communicated to by the power of Holy Spirit. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many infallible proofs. He did things that literally could not be denied. Right? He did things that could literally not be denied to show that he was alive. He did things for them, the apostles, the ones that he communicated to. After his suffering, he showed himself alive to them in ways that could not be denied. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. In essence, he's saying in those three verses, saints, let's stop arguing about Jesus. Let's stop. Let's stop. We have put that topic to bed. We know that he lived. We know that he died. We're pretty sure that he's alive. And I think he's telling me to do something. <laughs> In those three verses, he says, we know he lived. We know he died. We're pretty sure he's alive. And I think he might be telling me to do something. So he opens this conversation about the early church, the history, with history, with facts. And he says, I told you everything Jesus taught me and did. I reminded you of the day that he was taken up. I shared with you all that he had given the command commandment to those that followed him. And I communicated the authority by which he shared those things with us. And I told you that he had given us undeniable evidence that he is still alive. And Luke is saying to Theophilus, the one that's learning, son, take my word for it. You may not have been with Jesus for yourself, but take my word for it. <laughs> my God! Take my word for it. I know he lived. You may not have seen him for yourself. I know he lived. I know he lived, right? I know he lived. I know he died. I'm pretty sure. The apostles, the apostles, the one of us, the ones of us who have been with Jesus, we're pretty sure that he lives again. He's alive again. And I think he might be telling us to do something. I'm going to tell you why I think he might be telling us to do something. So Theophilus, you, uh, or you and so, and so Theophilus is, or you and I are, reading as we're taking the words of the teacher as true. 
were saying, in essence, they know he lived. They know he died. They're pretty sure he lived again. And they think he's telling them to do something. Y'all can write those four things down. They know he lived, right? They know he died. They're pretty sure he's alive again. And they think, they think he's telling them to do something. But when we get into the place where the gospel has to go from a lesson to an experience, we start asking questions about ourselves. Everybody came to Christ because of someone else's testimony. But nobody stays with Christ because of someone else's testimony. We ask internal questions, but we ask questions. We say, they told me all of these things, but do I know? They know he lived, but do I know he lived? History books will tell me that. Do I know he lived? Do I know he died? Am I sure that he lives again? And is he actually telling me to do something? Or is that for them? See, at some point, your faith has to go from being experiential belief or external belief to internal reality. At some point, your faith has to go from being external belief to internal reality. At some point, you have to be able to say of a surety, I know he lived. I know he died. And I know he died for me. I am positive that he is alive again. And I am certain that God is telling me to do something. At some point, our faith has to go from external belief to internal reality. And it, this is what they're saying. Is what You have to ask yourself, is what they're saying my experience? Is the power of God that they testify about at work in my life? And in all honesty, as I was driving here this morning, God added a couple of sentences to this message. I heard God say, this is the struggle that I believe we're experiencing as a church. We're connecting to churches, but we have not yet seen Jesus. Right? Like we're, we're connecting. I'm, I'm going over my time. Y'all settle on in. Settle on in. We're, we've, we're connecting to churches, but we have not yet seen Jesus. But I need all of us to realize one thing. The struggle of your faith of our faith, is not for church membership. Say amen, somebody. Please. Struggle of your faith is for your destiny. I have to say that again. The struggle of your faith is not for you to join a church. The enemy is coming after you to distract you from your destiny destiny. And if the enemy can use church membership to distract you, the enemy will use church membership. I wish I had a church. The enemy will use church membership to distract you. If the enemy can use community involvement to distract you, the enemy will use community involvement to If the enemy can use your job to distract you, the enemy will use your job to distract you. The struggle of our faith is not for church membership. 
God lived and died and rose again and is telling you to do something not so that you can just feel good about you. God gave you and I a mission to change the world forever. You allow yourself to be distracted by all of the things that can come your way. I will offer that you are allowing yourself to live outside of, and dare I say, beneath the call of God on your life. You're not just outside of it. You haven't even reached for it. Peter, one of the disciples that followed Jesus until the end, in fact, one that had the worst testimony of them all, one of the worst testimonies, this man cussed like a sailor, cut people's ears off, said what he wanted to say when he was, this is why we need deacons, amen, hallelujah, pastor can't do that all the time, every once in a while, no, 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 <laughs> can't do that, right, like, no, all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's why we hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate y'all. Good looking out. That's why we need deacons. Peter, one of the one of the disciples, one of the apostles, actually the one with the worst testimony of them all. In the end. <laughs> Peter, before he got to the place where the book of Acts was being written, felt a similar struggle when he was following Jesus that we feel right now. It says in Matthew chapter 14, this is where we're going to talk for a little bit. It says in Matthew chapter 14 that after Jesus had fed 5,000, right, after he had gone away and he had dismissed the church, he said the benediction, he opened up the doors of the church, he did all the things that he did on the side of the mountain. He said what he was supposed to say, he did what he was supposed to do. And it says in Acts chapter 14, verse 20 through 2 to 27, it says immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Every word matters. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten with the, by the waves, for the wind was against him. Continuing, it says, and in the fourth watch of the night, somebody say fourth watch. He came to them walking on the sea. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, but we're still talking about, have you seen Jesus? But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. See, in verse 22, it says Jesus made them get into the boat. After they had seen one of the largest miracles ever performed in history, Jesus tells his disciples to go down the mountain and get in the boat. We don't hear anybody arguing with Jesus. 
We don't hear anybody asking, well, Lord, how are you going to get to the other side? We don't hear anybody saying, Jesus, are you going to be all right? And how are we all going to fit? Is the boat big enough? Is there snacks down low? It, we don't hear anybody arguing with God about why Jesus, he made them get into the boat. In essence, this is the first step of our faith, blind obedience. Write it down. Write it down, please. I'm going to take my time this morning. This is the first step of our faith, blind obedience. We have to know that we can trust the God that's communicating with us. And sometimes God says, do what I told you to do, period. He's got to trust that you're going to say yes, Lord, yes, whether you understand why or you don't. God is looking for a people that will trust him in blind obedience. That is how God proves God's self to you. Let me hurry up now. That is how God proves God's self to you. He starts to prove himself to you by first telling you what to do and making sure you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. In Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22, we read, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. He made them get into a boat so they could go to their next step on their journey. We don't read about the disciples putting up a fight. We don't read about them asking how Jesus was going to get there. We just read that Jesus made them get into the boat, and they did what Jesus made them do. Saints, a simple yes, Lord, can get you your miracle. Y'all been struggling and fighting and challenging God. You've been wondering and waiting and hoping for clarity. But saints, I will offer a simple yes, Lord, will set you up for a miracle from God. All you've got to do is say yes, Lord. All you've got to do, a simple yes, Lord, can get you to your miracle. And then as they go, as they go and simply obey Jesus and they give God their yes, verse 25 says, in the fourth watch of the night, in the fourth watch of the night, which is between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., <laughs> the fourth watch of the night, when everyone else is getting that good REM sleep, you know, the fourth, three and six, 3 a.m., 6 a.m. In the fourth, in the wee small hours of the while, the whole wide world, right? Fast asleep in the, in the fourth watch of the night. That's when Jesus decides to show up. When our organs are supposed to be being refreshed by our rest, that's when. Jesus decides to show up. When we're all supposed to be asleep and nothing else, the quiet of the evening or the morning or whatever we want to call that time of day, the quietness is supposed to be blanketing. I see Sequoia she, shaking her head with a new mom. She ain't sleeping at between 3 a.m. Between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. The fourth, fourth watch of the night when everything's supposed to be quiet, baby girl. When everything is supposed to be quiet. When all of our internal organs are supposed to be healing, God decides to. <laughs> you ever been woken up by the Holy Spirit? 
Everybody else around you is asleep. God commands you to. I don't think y'all heard me. Everybody around you is sleeping. And the Holy One of Israel comes and taps on your shoulder. Get up! My Lord says, get up, oh sleeping one. Holy One of Israel decides to wake you up to the things that the world seems to be asleep about. Everybody is asleep, but you are woke. Somebody say woke. <laughs> Everybody else is asleep, but you're woke. You may not know why you woke, but you woke. You may not know the reason God called your name, but you woke. You may be groggy, but you woke. You may not necessarily see things as things should be seen, but you won't. You don't have the details or the information that you're looking for, but you're, come on church, let's go. You may not know what you need to see or what you need to know, but you are still, yeah, yeah. You're woke enough to know that while everyone else is saying, this side be over soon, heaven lasts always. God's woken you up to a new reality. God's woken you up to tragedies that need to be resolved. God's woken you up to a troubled world that needs an answer from, from heaven. From heaven. Not from, from heaven. God's woken you up to trauma and turmoil that's destroying others silently and no one else seems to notice, but you're, you're, you're woke to it. You're woke. Somebody say woke. While everybody else is fast asleep, God has you woke. And in that awakened state, all God wants you to do is say, Jesus, speak to me. I'm almost done. <laughs> I'm almost done. In that awoken state, all God is asking you to do is say, Jesus, speak to me. I may not see clearly, but just speak to me. What's the next step for me to do? I see you, but I don't know what I'm seeing you for. What's the next thing that you want me to do? Peter was in the boat with all the rest of the disciples. And as Peter was in the boat with all the rest of the disciples, what was happening to everyone is they were awoken by the master because they saw something in a distance that they could not recognize. And it scared them. Some of y'all, when you first saw Jesus, you thought that it was someone else speaking to you. Some of y'all, when you saw, first saw Jesus, you thought it was your mama, or you thought it was your daddy, or you thought it was your grandma, you thought it was your great-grandma. That's why we hear all these testimonies about praying grandmas, praying grandfathers. That's why we always hear all these reasons and things. We attribute Jesus to people that we can see and people that we can trust. But my question to you is, have you seen Jesus? The one who was there all the time. The 
one who was walking with you and you called it something else. You called it your conscience. You called it your intuition. But in all actuality, it was Jesus who was walking with you. It was Jesus who was talking with you. It was Jesus who was guiding you and keeping you and holding you together when you were about, hallelujah. Woo, it was Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Jesus alone. You may not have seen him, but he was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line simply for you to recognize him. He was there all the time. He woke you up so that you could see him. Little by little, little by little, little by little, we get to the place where the one who commanded us, the one who woke us up, because becomes the one that we ask questions of. Y'all with me? The one who commanded us. I'm almost done. I promise this is it right here. The one who commanded us. The com command, he forced us to go. We are constrained by the gospel. The one who forced us to go. And then the one who woke us up in the middle of the night. Got us out here in the middle of the water. Where it's too deep to swim. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can't do this by ourselves. Got us you out here now. <laughs> You're out here now. What you going to do? All you have to do is trust Jesus. He got you out here now. The one that commanded you to go and the one that's got you out here is now showing up in ways that are different for you. And I offer you're not the only one woke. Peter wasn't the only one woke, right? There were 11 others in the boat. Who were seeing what he saw. Right? There were 12 of them. He forced all of them. Forced the whole church. Forced the whole church. To go. He forced us all. Into the deep. But 11 of the 12. Got scared. When Jesus showed up. Did y'all hear me when I said it? Eleven of the twelve got scared when Jesus showed up. One person who couldn't see clearly but was still willing to follow asked a simple question. If it's you, <laughs> bid me come. Did you hear him? He didn't say, God, that's you. I know it's you. I'm going to run out on this water because my faith is in that moment. The Bible says, Paul, I'm sorry, Peter said, if it's you. I see something and that could be Jesus. I'm feeling something and that could be Jesus. I'm experiencing something that's not familiar to me. That could be Jesus. So Peter, all he says is, if it's you. Tell me to come. I can see, but I can't see clearly. So if it's you leading me in this direction, tell me to come. If it's you telling me to go and apply for that job, then bid me to come. If it's you telling me 
to start my business, then if, it, if it's you, then tell me to come point me in the right direction of Holy Spirit power and tell me to come. I don't see clearly how this is all going to work out. But God, if this is you, tell me to come. All God needs from you is faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It don't take a whole lot. Just use the little bit that you got. Faith. 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 Just a little bit of faith. And when Peter asked Jesus that faithless question, when he said, if it's you, will you tell me to come? Jesus responded with one word. Come. So all he said was come. All he said to Peter after he asked Jesus to tell him what to do next was come. He didn't give him instructions on how to get out of the boat. He didn't give him instructions on when to get out of the boat. He didn't give him instructions on who to help him get out of the boat. He gave him nothing but a word. I wish I had a church right there. <laughs> he gave him nothing but a word. One word will change your entire one word, one word, one word. He gave him nothing but a word, and that word was come. If there is a word for us today, you may not see Jesus clearly, but come. You may not see what you want to see, but come. You may not have all of the instructions that you want, but come. When you see Jesus, whether you see him as a shadow or you see him as your savior, all you have to do is when you take one step, God will make what looks flimsy solid for you. I wish I had a church. When you take one step at the savior's command, God will take what you should drown in and make it stable ground for you. All you've got to do is obey the master and come. That's all you got to do. Luke put to bed this theological argument about Jesus. Yes, he lived. Yes, he died. Yes, he rose again. And he is asking us to do something. Peter lived that theological argument about the Savior. He saw that he lived, right? He was living with him. Later on in his life, he saw that he died. He saw that he rose again, and Peter ran to the tomb, tried to figure it out. But he remembered in the moment when he got to the tomb that he was one that the Lord told him to walk out on nothing. And he made it solid for him. And I will offer that that's the struggle of our faith as believers today. We know he lived. We do. We do. We know he lived. We know he died. We know he rose again. That's why we're saved. Guess what else? He's asking you to do something. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. 
He is asking you to do something. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care how much education you don't have. God is asking you to do something. And the only way that you can get to the destiny of God is if you say to the shadow that you see, if it's you, bid me come. And when you hear Jesus, respond to the word that you hear. He won't give you clear, concise instructions. You won't see blueprints from heaven. You won't get instructions that you can read word for word to tell you when, where, how, and why. All you're going to get is a word from the Lord. You might hear yes. That'll be your word. You might hear go. That'll be your word. You might hear stay. And that'll be your word. You might hear shh. Because you talk too much. God will respond to you in sounds. Because he knows you use too many words. Shh. And that'll be your word. Whatever your word is, whether you see it or you hear it, the way you want to see it or hear it, respond to the power and the message of the king. And for this, we give our God every bit of praise that we have. We, have, we as a church have sent a lot of people out who have not heard God say go. I feel like I need to take my seat. I'm going to say that one more time. We as a church have sent a lot of people out who have never heard God say go. They have yet to see Jesus in the shadow, let alone seeing Jesus face to face. They have not experienced the one who saves, heals, delivers, sets free, makes ways. They've not experienced that God. They're still experiencing their grandmama's faith. That has to change today. Our struggle for our faith is so that we will see Jesus. You need to see Jesus. You need to see Jesus. You need to see Jesus. And you need to see Jesus. The only way you can get there, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, the doors of this church are open. The only way you're going to get there is by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. God may have appeared to you in a shadow this week. You may have heard a voice and you have no idea whose voice that was. You may have experienced pain and it should have taken you out of here, but you're still here. I hear some people that have a testimony. If you don't have what they have, it's now is your time and today is your day to see Jesus for yourself. All of those things that have happened to you, they happened to you because God was showing up for you. In ways that you couldn't recognize, God was showing up for you. 
Now all I'm asking you to do is recognize God. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice in this room or watching via Facebook or whatever social media platform we're watching through, if anybody under the sound of my voice has yet to, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, now is your time and today is your day. Make Jesus your choice. All you got to do is say, I've never been saved before. I'm ready right now. Come on. If, you're, if it's you, just come down the aisle. The deacons are waiting for you. If you're on social media, just put a thumbs up in the screen. I want to see Jesus for myself. I want to see Jesus for myself. If you have walked away from God, you have been saved, and we know you've been saved, but you've walked away from the master. Come back home. Play, this, is a, this is where we follow God together. And if you need a church home, Redeemer is a great place to call home. Amen. We getting it now. We getting it. All right. I say the same thing every week. We got, we about to get it now. Let's go. Redeemer is a great place to call home. Hallelujah. This is a great place. And we've seen people saved, healed, set free, and delivered by the power of God, not by the power of the church. Hello. Not by the power of the church, by the power of God. That needs to be you. That could be you. Redeemer is a great place to call home where you will see Jesus and be released into your God-given destiny. Amen? Amen. We offer Christ to you, oh, my brother. We offer Christ to you. Oh, my sister, he will give you brand new life, new life abundantly. Oh, come. If you don't know the story, you won't understand the praise. If you don't know the story, I wish I had a praiser for 14 seconds. Can we go? If Hey, hey, y'all Y'all got anybody you've been praying for for years? Any, anybody got somebody that you've been praying for for years? Can I just offer my testimony walk down the aisle today? <laughs> she could be dead, but she came to Jesus. Derek, Derek, your lady could be dead, but she came... another way she, she came she came now now if you if you can watch his testimony and his prayer request her walk down the aisle if God did it for him God can do it for you
Can you praise God for the one you're praying for? Ah, it's 11 o'clock. We go. <laughs> all right, all done. All done. The unchurched are coming to church. The unchurched are coming to Jesus. The ones that ain't never been coming to Jesus. I need. Saying, <laughs> all right, all done. Nah. We ain't going to steal souls. We going to catch souls. We ain't going to steal other church members. We highways and byways. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Thank you, Lord. The Lord wants to know you, you've invited me in and you asked to see signs and wonders and miracles and you're praying. And then when I show you what a miracle looks like, how will you respond? We invited the Lord in at the point of invocation and before that in a praise and worship. And we asked God to do something that we've never seen before. And when the faithful one shows himself again faithful, how do we respond? We thank the Lord for word and for worship and for being witnesses, witnesses that he is still yet alive. We know him to be alive. And so now he's calling us to do something else. Now is an opportunity not for us to give to God, but to give back to God what already belongs to God. Our lives, if you, the doors of the church remain open. The doors of the church remain open because God's family remains open. So even if we move from this part to the next, you can still come. You can always come if the Lord has given you an opportunity to breathe another breath. Come, 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 come. Now is an opportunity for us to give from the resources that the Lord has allowed us to hold on to for a minute. As the Lord has instructed us to give in this world to sow seed. As the Lord has blessed us to be able to move his resources back to him in different ways. Now we give our offerings. For those of you who are virtual, you will see instructions on the screen. And for those in the sanctuary, please stand as our, our leaders are coming, our trustees are coming, our ushers are leading uh, you. 
in a way that you can give, but you should still be giving in praise and you should still be giving in worship and you should still be giving in prayer and in thanksgiving. All of these are offerings. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've allowed us to witness and we don't take any of it for granted. So now, Lord, this is just another way. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to give, to sow seed in the place where you have given us to sow. Now, Lord God, please multiply these offerings. And thank you, Lord God, that we are not restricted by 10%, oh God, but you, you've blessed us so mightily and we just want to give all back to you. These, your people are coming in Jesus' name. Amen. This may be time. God will don't stop that bump. Take care of you. Oh, be his way of love. God will take care of you. Remain on your feet. We're not going to sing, we're going to say it, and then we're going to benedict and dismiss in the presence. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above. This is a command, y'all. 
Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh Lord, you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all in your hand. Our power and might, and it is your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. Amen. You are dismissed in the presence.